Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael teaches on the last week of our Empty series on Easter Sunday. I have enjoyed, enjoyed, enjoyed uh, this series that we've done over the last few weeks. Um, Empty, leading up to Easter. First week, empty was the garden. Because of man's sin, we voided and removed ourselves from the purpose and promises and plans of God for us. And his response was to empty his throne and leave heaven and come to earth to empty our chains and all the weapons that were formed against us so that they could not prosper. And today, as we come to Easter, obviously I want to talk about the empty grave. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28. I think it would be in order we just read one of the accounts. I just want to read all of them today over and over again, but we'll read one, Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. Man, I preached a sermon on that one time. I just love that he sat on it. I don't know why. It just just tickles my tail feathers. He sat on it. I just love it. God will just sit on stuff that's been holding you back. I mean, he'll just sit on it. Like, just move it and sit on it. I love it. Where am I at? And verse 3, and his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Just as he said, come see the place where he was lying and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and behold, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. I hear people say even this week that Easter is the most significant day in the life of believers in the people of the Christian faith. Easter is not the most important day in the life of believers and those of the Christian faith. It is the most important day for every person who has ever or who will ever breathe air on this earth. Matter of fact, it's even more important for those that haven't breathed air. I've got babies that it's real important. Come on, some of you need to hear this. I've got babies that never breathed air on this earth. That it's 
It's the most important thing in the history of the world that Jesus rose from the dead for my babies. Because I believe they're with him, waiting for me. So it's not even people that have breathed. It's conceived, every life that's ever been conceived. This is the most important day. Whether you believe it, whether you've received it, whether you've accepted it or not, it's the most important day in your life. Because you've got to choose whether, what you're going to do with it. And the decision to believe and receive or reject is still the most biggest decision you'll ever make. Babies are trying to get in. It's okay. I mean, it's so important that it changed documentation of history. You know, we've got a timeline that is before Christ and a timeline that's after Christ. It's actually, does anybody know what AD, anybody, anybody ever think it's after death? I did. Till just a few years ago. It's Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. It actually starts when Christ is born. Some people didn't catch on for like six years, but it's all adjusted, and we're all on the same time now. But I would say that even when he was born, he was slain before the foundation of the world. So the way it works with God is, and it's the same way with us, when we say yes, it's already done. When we say yes, it's already done. One example is if the Lord asks me to give and I respond with a yes, many times I have received harvest from my seed before my seed left my hand because he heard my yes and it was like I had already responded in obedience. So when Jesus came, it was as if he already, I mean, the moment Jesus came, he died. It was done, right, in the timeline of history. And so it changes everything. It's like, what are we going to do AD? So you can just keep saying after death, okay? It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. But now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most... I don't even know how to say that word. I thought it was pity. Is it pitiable? 
Yeah, that's what I thought the whole time, but now I'm looking at it, and I'm like, is that a different word? Nobody's helping me? Pitiable? Oh, my goodness. It's New King James, guys. So that don't even say empty. It's my whole sermon. Oh, my goodness. So if he hasn't risen from the dead, our preaching is empty and our faith is empty. You understand? So if the grave is not empty, then our faith is empty. But if the grave is empty, then our faith is full. If the grave is not empty, then our faith is empty. If the grave is empty, our faith is full. And we know that our faith is full because of Easter, because of what we celebrate today. Our sins are forgiven. Romans 8. When the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, let me make sure what y'all are reading. Message, all right? With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous... I just love this. I mean, these are the moments I'm thinking of that I was just gripped with this moment. I, could just, I mean, I just can see. I can see. I can remember. I know I've experienced... You no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. Anybody ever lived under a low-lying black cloud? A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air. It's blown the cloud away freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. That should get somebody excited. Danny. Amen. I still want to do the hook. But the black cloud, it's like we're just living under this continuous low-lying black cloud. I believe there's people in this room today that are living under a low-lying black cloud. Guilt, shame, regret. And I just love the picture in the message. I mean, I love Romans 8 in about every translation I've ever read, but this one just grabbed me this week. With the picture of this low-lying black cloud and then this spirit of life in Christ like a strong wind has blown it away. It's just moving out. It's a moment. Today. Today it can be gone. Today your cloudy skies can turn into cloudless, sunshiny days. Colossians 2 and 12. For we've been buried... Let me see a translation again. Okay. Colossians 2.12. For we've been buried with him and to his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power. The power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes 
our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp. But now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return, for we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record. Can you see it? Because the grave is empty. Your record is empty. He has taken every legal violation and canceled it on our record. The old arrest warrant that stood to indict us, he erased it all. Can you just imagine they show up with an arrest warrant, but because the grave is empty, the ink just disappears. What are y'all doing here? Well, we got this paper. Well, that paper don't say anything. Have a nice day. Come on. He deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Cancel culture. Huh? Your sins got canceled. Your debts got canceled. Your arrest warrants got canceled. Never been so excited about cancel culture. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Come on. Suffering the greatest, the most traumatic death of all time on a cross while they're mocking him and casting lots for his garments. They were his prisoners. They were subjected. They were, they were captive witnesses to what he was doing for all of eternity. That's beautiful. I love it in the message, verse 15. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Can you just see Jesus is naked on the cross, but he's actually in his nakedness. He's marching all the principalities and powers of darkness naked through the streets. Romans 5, 8, Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Because the tomb is empty, our sins are forgiven. There's some things that are not empty. Our purpose is not empty. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I really believe that if he intended to save those that were lost, he would have said those that were lost. Many times we've said he's came to seek and to save those individuals. I believe he came to seek and save that, the purpose in the garden, that that walking with us in the cool of the day, that, 
that, that, that amazing, just unbelievable experience of the garden where the curse is broken and we live in perfect harmony with him. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Our purpose is not empty. The garden no longer is empty if we want to step into it and walk with him and be with him. There's a little TikTok videos. I don't know if it's TikTok. I don't know all the videos. Reels, TikTok, I, I don't know. But there's these that say, I understood the assignment. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I understood the assignment. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it means absolutely nothing to you. You're like, what? Apparently, there's some song that says, I understood the assignment. And so there's these videos that people do really awesome things, and it says, I understood the assignment. Like, I shot a basketball from half court. I don't know. When I'm saying it right now, it sounds really stupid, right? <laughs> Somehow, you know, people are watching these videos for four hours. You know, I understood the assignment. Anyways... Jesus understood the assignment. Jesus lived out his purpose. He was slain before the foundations of the world. He lived out his purpose so that our purpose can be full. The grave is empty. The tomb is empty. Our purpose is not. My computer's going crazy. I'm so sorry. Why does Adobe always want you to update your Acrobat reader, you know? In the most inopportune times. I'll do it later. Why don't you do it at 2 a.m.? Just thinking again about John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you would have life and have it abundantly. I was just thinking, if he came to steal, kill, and destroy... Jesus come to release, resurrect, and renew. He's so good. Psalm 139. I believe we start in verse 13. Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You are breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something like an open book. You watch me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Your purpose is not empty. It is full. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He has appointed you to a purpose and a plan. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. That really would be his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand 
so we could walk in them. Because the tomb is empty, our purpose is not empty. Because the tomb is empty, his power is not empty. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? John 10, 17 says, For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it back. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it back. This commandment I received from my Father. Look at Matthew 27, 41. In the same way, the chief priest also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He has trusted in God. Let God rescue him now if he takes pleasure in him. For he said, I am the son of God. Do you understand the restraint that it took Jesus? Who no one could take his life. He had to willingly lay it down and he could pick it back up again. And they're taunting him. Everyone in this room should be super thankful that I'm not Jesus. Because I would have come off that cross and I would have whipped some people in such a great way. Come on, any moment. But that would have been weakness. You understand? Coming off the cross and killing everybody on the mountain would not have been as powerful as restraining himself. Come on. Power is not in strength and in might. Power is in spirit and truth. He just stayed there as they taunted him. They having no idea. And then he says, Father, forgive them. They don't have any idea what they're doing. That's power. He stayed on the cross as they taunted him and they mocked him. Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the boundless greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance, accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things in subjected under his feet and made him head over all things to the church which is his body to the fullness of him who fills all in all. Revelation chapter 1. I know we're heavy today, Scripture. I just, I just, oh my goodness. 
This is just so beautiful. His head and his hair were white like wool, like snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been heated to a glow in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. Could you just imagine the ones mocking him on the cross? If he had just displayed his might, they would have fell like dead men. He wouldn't even have to touch them just from fear. But he stayed. He held his ground. I fell like dead, like a dead man. He placed his right hand on me saying, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. His power is not empty. His power is not empty to move in your life. He makes impossible things become memories. There's nothing. He specializes in things that seem impossible. His promises are not empty. Matthew 20, 18, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and they will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and flog and crucify. And on the third day, he will be raised up. In Matthew 28 and 6, we just read it a few moments ago, the angel said, he is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. His promises are not empty. When he raised from the dead, it was a testimony and a sign forevermore that what he says, he will do. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he would lie, nor a son of man that he would change his mind. Has he said and he will not do, or has he spoken and he will not make it good? I love that song. I think we sung last week. He won't. Right? He won't. He won't. He won't fail. He won't lie. 1 Corinthians 1.20, whatever God has promised, listen, gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen, amen. God's yes, this is very important, and our yes together. Gloriously evident, God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes Within us, by his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. 
All his promises are yes. He stamped them with Jesus. You know, they put a seal on the tomb to make sure it wasn't broken. Jesus broke their seal and put his own seal. And he has broken the curse. He has broken what the enemy has tried to seal on us. He has tried to shut us up and shut us in. And Jesus has broken that. And he has sealed us with his yes. And all his promises are available to us. His purposes are not empty. His power is not empty. And his promises are not empty. But the count of the balls in our court. John 5, 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who hears my word, a lot of people hear it, and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death to life. That's the moment we're sitting in right now, an opportunity to pass out of death to life. Some of you may say, well, I was sprinkled when I was a baby, or I prayed a prayer when I was 9 or 10. I did this, or I did that, or man, I've been in church my whole life. If the black cloud is still hovering, it's time to go from death to life. It's time to enjoy the purposes and the power and the promises that are full for you. And this is eternal life, John 17, 3, that we may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. First Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Born again. Saw something really cool on the internet this week while I was studying. I don't remember where it came from. But I love these points that a preacher put looked at a sermon. Some people think they have salvation by sincerity. Well, I'm really sincere. Right? I'm really sincere. Reminds me of the guy who sincerely thought his plane would fly or the Titanic wouldn't sink but they were sincerely wrong. I've met some real sincere people. Like I sincerely just, me and God have an understanding, sincerely. But this isn't about a ticket to heaven. Why would anybody live with that black cloud and just say, but I've sincerely got an understanding about when I die? Won't you sincerely live free today?
but salvation by sincerity. Salvation through good works, some people believe. It's not by works that any man should boast. But if I do enough stuff, Man, I do this, and I do this, and I check this box, and I check this box, and I check this box. It makes no sense. I've been in this thing a long time. I was raised in this. My parents were pastors. I've been in this my whole life. It's entirely, can you say entirely? It's entirely empty and pointless to do a bunch of good stuff and to not be in relationship with Jesus and live a life that's free and full that he's promised for you. It is entirely empty and void of fulfillment. And you would be, this, man, people, you'd be better off. You'd be better off never even knowing that there was a list of things that you could do to try to earn salvation. You'd be better off never being religious. You'd be better off never being exposed to some rules because you're no more free, but you've added a new burden. You're trying to do stuff. You're better if you never even know. Salvation through subtraction. Maybe it's not, I'm going to do a bunch of stuff. Maybe it's, I'm going to not do some stuff. I'm going to not do this, and I'm going to not do this, and I'm not going to, you know, I hear this all the time when I see people that are, whatever they're doing, they're not, they're not at church, they're not doing all the stuff, right? And I see them out at Waggles. And they start, as soon as, I just want to say, hey. You're never going to hear me come up to you, hey, man, where you been? <laughs> hey, man, you really need, I mean, I won't even mention church. I can about guarantee you I will not even mention church. I went and visited a young man one day. And uh, the Holy Spirit just sent me, and he was in a crisis in his life, and I didn't even know it, and I showed up at his work, and he had been away for months. The first thing he said was, Pastor, I'm going to... I said, I didn't come here to talk to you about church. I don't care anything about church right now. I just come by here to see you. The people will say, I know I need to do this. I know. No, you don't. You do not. You do not. Unless you have an encounter with Jesus, you don't need to do more stuff. And if, you, if you're not going to have an encounter with Jesus, you don't need to do less stuff. If I'm going to live under a black cloud, I'm probably going to self-medicate. Are you with me? Worst Easter sermon ever. I'm just, I mean, I've just been in it my whole life. I mean, it, it just doesn't do anything for people. You know how many people I've, came, I've seen come in and try to do a bunch of stuff without ever encountering the love of Jesus? You know how many people I've seen try to stop doing a bunch of stuff without ever encountering the love of Jesus? 
And you know how many times I see them leave when they fail to do enough or they fail to stop doing stuff and they leave under more condemnation and the cloud grows and it gets bigger and bigger and they leave worse than when they came? I actually don't care what you do. I just care who you know because he cares about you. And I'm so confident in his ability to love you into freedom that all I need to do is make sure you know him. Salvation by subtraction. How about salvation by ritual? By ritual. Salvation by heritage. Mom and daddy, they pulled it with Abraham. We're the sons of Abraham. He said, I could make that rock a son of Abraham. I mean nothing to me. Right? No matter who your mom and your daddy are. Salvation by comparison. At least I'm not as bad as Joe. You know, there's not going to be so many spots in heaven, and it's going to be the first 5,000. And if you're 5,000, I mean 499, and Joe's 5,001, you know, it's not like, yay. That was such a stretch, but y'all were so gracious with that. You still laughed and kind of, you know, that was just, that was, a, that was a miss right there. That analogy was a miss. It's okay, I'm big enough to admit it. Here's what I saw with all of the salvation by works, salvation by ritual, salvation by subtraction. I've heard this analogy that, you know, life is like we're in this courtroom and God is the judge. And Satan is the, is the uh, prosecutor. And he's slandering and he's trying to convict us and he's... He's saying, but look, he did this, and she did this, and this, and this, and this. And I've heard so many times that Jesus is our defense attorney, right? Jesus is not your defense attorney. You don't have a defense. See, that's what's wrong with this. Some of us spend... And I, I'm just going to tell you, there's people in this room probably that have spent 20 years pleading your case. Instead of just saying, I'm guilty. You know, we, we try to rally up some witnesses. That's where all this offense comes in, you know. We try to get witnesses. We try to tell them, why we do what we do, and if we get people that will agree with us, then we think we'll be better. We all got a mama. We could kill 28 people, and our mom would say, not my boy. Your mama saying, not my boy, don't mean anything. Your mama thinking you're the best thing since sliced bread doesn't mean anything. 
But we try to make this defense. Look what I've done. Look what I've stopped doing. Look who this. Look at this. Look at this. And we just try our best to make this thing. And we're always in the courtroom. Is anybody tired of pleading your case? Is anybody tired of constantly trying to earn freedom? Is anybody tired of just feeling like you got to get up and go to court every day? You lay down at night wondering if they're gonna, the hammer's going to drop the next day? Scared to death you're not going to get your point across before the gavel drops? You could just settle it. Say, so you know what? We don't have to do a trial. We don't have to do any of this. I'm guilty. I don't care what my mama said. I had to say that one day. I don't care what my mama says. She don't even know. I don't care what nomination says. I don't care what anybody says. I got to be free. I don't care if people think I'm the best thing. I don't care if a church applauds. That's weird. But I don't care about all that. I just want to be free. And we never even get. Jesus is not even in the picture until we plead guilty. He has nothing to do with your defense. You don't use him or leverage him to prove anything. He walks in when you say, I'm guilty, and God says, guilty. Your sentence is death. Because I'm holy and I'm just. And the wages of sin is death. You earn this. I can't withhold what you've earned. And then Jesus says, Hey, he's just a bystander. You don't, he doesn't even get involved till you say I'm guilty. And then he stands up and he says, I, I will take his punishment. Her punishment. Now that they said they're guilty, we can settle this. Now that they said they're guilty, then they can receive the debt that I have paid to ransom them and to set them free. But we delay that. We delay his purposes. We delay his power. We delay his promises when we just try to play a game. Today, we don't celebrate a risen Savior to just continue to perpetuate some type of religious activity. I sense this whole week and this last night and this morning, man, there, we are, there are so many people on the precipice of just a moment where they go from death to life. Can you stand with me this morning? If anybody's wondering, it's 1230 on the, on the dot. Before you guys take off, some of you may have already, I just encourage you. Sometimes you think like, man, I don't want to go take food. I don't need a handout or lunch. Listen, 
it would be a huge honor if you would eat our food that we've already prepared for you. I mean, we don't, we don't get to take that chicken back. There's 300 chicken breasts out there. There's 300 baked potatoes. There's, three, there's a chair that we had to rent for you out there. And this isn't manipulation. I'm just saying, I mean, we would be honored is all I'm saying. It's not an imposition. It's not, well, I, they don't have to feed me. No, we did feed you. It's fed. You're fed. It's done. So please, if you can, stay. Even if you got other plans, maybe just stop real quick, man. Eat it and run. I, I was meant, meant to get to, to go boxes. We don't care. Take it with you. We just want to bless you with lunch. We'd love for you to take it. Prayer team, if you want to come, I just want to give everybody an opportunity today as we leave, as we dismiss. You know, I feel like I found, find myself at times back in the courtroom. I know, I know, I don't have to get saved again and all that, but I find myself getting back in the courtroom. Because all of a sudden I believe lies and I believe slander and so I try to start building a defense again. And I just want to just, I just, at times I just have to again remember, wow, this is exhausting. There's nothing I can do to win. I'm guilty. I did that. I talked to her that way. I talked to my kid that way. I did that. I mean... What's the point in going to the courtroom? Just, I'm guilty. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why delay going from death to life in deliberations, arbitration, mediation? Let's just go. Surrender. He didn't come to die in our place. He came to show us how. And the only way we can be raised with him is if we're buried with him. And that's what it is in that courtroom. We just die. We just surrender and we sacrifice. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. We've got these doors right here is the quickest way. Tables are all set up out on the grounds. If you want to go out that way, there's a way you can come back in to restrooms and foyer outside. Right behind that wall, there's a patio and you can come right in that way. We'd prefer you not come back in these doors once we go out because it's muddy right here the rest of the church is concrete and tile you can get it as muddy as you want we'll hose it down but let's not come back in here if we can it's difficult to clean this we're just going to give you an opportunity as we leave today there's just moments I know there's moments I know somebody sitting here with some dead things that need to come to life. I know that. And it can change in a moment. It can change in an instance. We can receive what he's paid for for us in a moment. There's got to be people in this room that are just tired. Weary. Just trying constantly. Just let him give you rest came to give you rest his yoke is easy and his burden is light 
If you're under something else, you're not under him. You're under something else. So prayer team is here. They're going to worship for just a few moments. You want to share something? Okay, they're going to worship. You can be dismissed. You can go out these doors if you want prayer today. You can come down, find one of these prayer team members and pray with them. God bless you. Happy Easter. Come back and see us again if you're a guest. We love you. Congratulations, Yellow Team. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.